Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrew, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Jordan Fermanis, Chris Ragg and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing Sir Clive Sinclair. Nick, lead us in. Well, um, Sir Clive died mm. last week mm. um, at the age of, uh, I think, 81. Um, a, a legendary figure, I think it's fair to say, certainly in Britain, pro- yeah. probably slightly less well-known in the US, but um, I will touch on that uh, shortly. So um, he was a pioneer, technology pioneer. Mm. Um, in 1961, he founded Sinclair Radionics and produced the first slimline electronic poly- pocket calculator. Mm-hmm. Uh, known as the Sinclair Executive. Um, after nine years, by the way, it took him nine years to, to produce that. Hold on, sorry to stop yeah. you. What about before? What do we know a little bit before, about? Oh, yeah, before? you know, he was a sort of engineering uh, yeah. kind of guy. His parent, his his father and his grandfather were both um, engineers. They worked in shipbuilding. I think reasonably modest background. Sort yeah. of grew up in Surrey. I think he had to go down because he was born in 1940. Yeah. So his early childhood was, uh, you know, was an evacuee. He was an evacuee down in, okay. down in Devon. Um, but yeah, he um, he didn't go to university because he, he was bored of education. And I've just realised how weird it is. It, it feels weird to me that the guy who invented um, computers was yeah. lived through the Second World War. Was an evacuee and was living. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, Chris. So then, I'm sorry, then Nick. He, go on. Um, in uh, 1980, he uh, he founded Sinclair Research, which is what he's perhaps best known for yeah. um, where they created the uh, absolutely iconic ZX80 ZX81 oh. and ZX Spectrum oh. um, based as I, I believe as you might be able to guess on the ZX chip and they were um, you know computers that were abs- ever present the kid who lived downstairs from me had a ZX Spectrum mm. everyone had a ZX Spectrum mm. Mm. everyone in Britain it was almost a cool a looking a computer as well they really were cool, very, yeah. cool looking yeah, they had little little weird rubber keys, keys. They were, uh, I mean, but also the, the this, I mean, the impact on the games industry. The, really, the British games industry. You know, it would be hard to imagine it existing in the way it does without Sir Clive's input there, because simply because you had a whole generation of people who learnt to code. You mm. know, by typing in programs from yeah. like Spectrum magazine and stuff. Um, and then it starts to go uh, interesting. He starts mm. to have an interesting life from this point on. He's already made his mark, as far as I'm concerned. 1983 founds Sinclair Vehicles. Produces the C5. Ha ha, yeah. everyone goes. Yeah. What, an electric electric vehicle? Are you mad? Um, you know, way ahead of its time, I would say. So mm-hmm. it was an electric tricycle for those who weren't around. Very famous. Got terrible press, I think, very unfairly. Mm. Um, hampered, unfortunately, by the fact that lithium batteries hadn't been, you know, commercialised at that mm. point. Um, and it was, I think, if you're slightly younger, think Segway. It was a bit like the Segway of its time, you know, mm. it was sort of. If you lay down on a Segway. Yeah, it, it was high. This thing I read is very low. They're very low yeah. and also could be pedal powered as well when mm. you run out of battery, but you know. Um, then uh, by 1990, as a result of that and a few other sort of misguided steps, mm. um, Sir Clive was uh, still employed by Sinclair Research, but with two other people. Mm. So three people at that point. And they did things like they were inventing tiny radios, a radio the size of a 10p piece and sort right. of weird looking bike, bicycles and stuff like that. But his crowning moment came mm. in 2005 okay. where he knocked me out of a poker tournament. Oh, did he? He did. 
I can't. I wish I could tell you what hand he had, but I can't remember. All I do remember saying is um, he apologised. He apologised when I got knocked out. Uh, and I said, no, it's, it's an honour to be knocked out by such a distinguished knight of the realm. Nice. And um, and then in 2010, yeah. at the age of, you know, here 70, yeah. he married Angie Bones, who was a former Miss Europe. Really? And I think I has lived that. out his life uh, from that point on. So, wonderful man. Very, uh, you know, and I feel like that last phase is very much him just doing stuff that he wanted to very do. Very British hero, exactly. it seems to and me. So, yeah. uh, so, I will tell you one... Um, one uh, uh, testament which was Elon Musk said R.I.P. Sir yeah. Sinclair he should have said Sir Clive of course but he said Sir Sinclair I loved that computer yeah nice. Elon Musk yeah he's a quite very a... influential man so I think what we want to talk about is um, is is there such a thing as uh, greatness is it fair to say that Clive Sinclair was truly great you know would Clive Sinclair in the middle ages would he have invented the ZX Spectrum probably not mm. and if he'd never existed would somebody else have done it yeah. So, you know, is it true that people are great or is it is greatness a bit of a kind of, you know, a thing we retrospectively ascribe to people and it doesn't actually make much difference? Sure. There's, there's the question I think we want to answer. Well, is it, though? Because we... Well, that, that's the question we want to answer. Well, I don't think... I mean... I oh, is it the question? Yeah. Okay. But, but, what is it? Is it the question? <laughs> <laughs> no, but is it more the... Let's just run with it. I think you're overthinking it. <laughs> Maybe. Look, the concept of greatness, does it make sense? Is, yeah, is it the, I think that's a better way to yeah. put it. Does the concept of greatness make sense? Um, let's go to Chris, please. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's quite interesting to look at. Uh, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those um, kind of human constructs that you kind of feel like, well, you know it when you see it, mm. you know, or, or that there's a, you know, consensual build-up to it. And I, I, I think it's quite interesting to look at something like... Um, BBC did a did a survey, you might remember it, in 2002. It was called Great, uh, Great Britons, mm. you know, and the idea was they ran this large yeah. national poll That's right. about yeah. who the who the greatest... Is it Churchill on the top and Lady Di second? Was she, was third. she was third, she was third, but it is that one, yeah. So, so the top ten uh, were Churchill... Did they, sorry, did they have a celebrity sort of... Um, right, so they, they sort of, in some one. way, that it was, it were, they held the poll... But then I think there was a second kind of round where the top ten had advocates yeah. who who kind of came forward, and then then they sort of voted on on them in some some way. Yeah. So they didn't. Um, so it was sort of phased in some way. So there was an advocacy element to it. Um, but the top ten were Churchill, Isambard Kingdom, Brunel second, Princess Diana third, Charles Darwin fourth, Shakespeare fifth, Sir Isaac Newton sixth, Elizabeth the first seventh, mm. grown John Lennon eighth. Nelson ninth and Cromwell tenth, which was bad. a strange one. No, it's not list. a bad. It's not a bad list. But I, I, you know, it's one of those things where you sort of think, well, okay, what do those, what do those, what traits do those people, or what events have those people been involved in that that you know holds them in that you know makes, makes them people great. think of them as great? Exactly. Um, so I think that's quite a, a sort of interesting. Starting point. It was actually pretty controversial that that, um, that poll, by the way, but because there were no black Britons in it. Yeah, there were very few women. Thirteen, one thirteen one women. Yeah. What out of a hundred originally? Or something? Out of a hundred, yes, yeah. in in the top hundred. Yeah, um, they're in fact the only sort of um, you know arguably non-British white person was was Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Um, so you know, there's an element about how how public consciousness thinks about 
greatness in, yeah. in you know historic figures. To me, the greatest controversy was that um, uh, Queen Victoria was 18th, just pipping Paul McCartney <laughs> in 19th place. So there's obviously a massive recency bias in yeah. there, but I was like... But that's a good challenge because you think, well, Queen Victoria didn't really do anything other than being a queen, whereas um, whereas Paul McCartney did really create some of the most iconic the songs. The Folk Chorus, for example. Yes, yes. exactly. And yeah. other songs. He was in yeah. a band, I don't know if you've heard of them, called The Beatles. Mm. He was quite, yeah. uh, They and they really revolutionised pop music. Yeah. Which one had the greatest impact? Yeah. Mm. Um, well, look, so hold on. So I think that's an interesting, you know, those sort of 10 figures you mentioned there, that's a good way to hang things off that a little bit because it immediately starts to raise certain questions. But nonetheless, let's keep going um greatness jordan well i i came across this interesting concept of greatness from the philosopher nietzsche Mm. um and he sort of his way of thinking about greatness um was rather than to define it to break it down into like internal uh conditions Mm. so the sort of character of a person and then the external conditions which is their achievements and the success that they've derived from whatever they've done um, and so I think he tries to kind of synthesize those and then that then produces greatness, mm. um, which I think is a sort of interesting way to, so to what's it, is there a recipe? What's the recipe? He doesn't, he doesn't define <laughs> the, yeah, sort of he doesn't detail. get to that sort of granular <laughs> detail, but I think there's something about how if you just look at one or the other, then it feels like maybe you're missing so, sort of the, some of the essential components of greatness. If you just look at someone's achievements, but then in their personal life or the way they conducted themselves, they weren't great, then this feels like there's something lacking. Yeah, Paul, Paul, even Paul McCartney had to do poos sometimes, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I, this is sort of coming back to this this thing about what is sometimes called the great man theory of history, mm. isn't it? Which is... What Thomas Carlyle said, you know, universal history, the history of what man has accomplished in this world is at bottom the history of the great men who have worked there. Mm. And of course, you know, famously, the response to that, Herbert Spencer, who said, well, before he can remake his society, his society must make him, you know. And and, and I think that Jordan's summary there is, is perfect because it really has got to be some combination of the two. It's got to be, you can't imagine Julius Caesar who was born in Germania, yeah. you know, without the uh, you know metal working and the economy of Rome would be worthless. Um, right. I mean, I'm just at imagining. The same time, a Caesar born three thousand years earlier would yeah. not have had that opportunity, and a Caesar born in the modern day might simply be working in office. Exactly. Somewhere, you know. So what do we make? That's a really good point. I think that's central, actually. What do we make of that? How do we deal with yeah, that? Yeah. Well, I think I think there's an element as well, which is not just you know, um, what uh, what in environment was the person existing what time and you know what events were going on but also you know what what um what were their own sort of personal conditions because you know it's, it's like the the 12th night um uh, quote you know um some are born great some achieve greatness some have greatness thrust upon them there's there's an element you know like the some are born great you know louis the 14th was a very influential you know, monarch, the sun but, king, the sun king, exactly. Yeah. But you know, unless you're born, you know, king of France or heir to the throne, going to limit France, your options. It's going to limit your options, yeah. exactly. Whereas you know, you, you've then you've got this idea. I of mean, some... if they'd have interviewed for the job, would yeah. he have got it? I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> well, he certainly, he certainly had the right attitude. Yeah. I think. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah but um, but the, you know, the, it, we I think we view those who achieve greatness as being in some way 
more more worthy you know uh, than those who are born great you know um and and so they're greater i suppose but then there's also you know this idea of having greatness thrust upon you which is even like a you know i suppose a little bit like churchill you know suddenly finding himself having to to be in this role but then you know lots of people would argue that uh, Churchill, you know, his lineage going back to the, the Duke to of Marlborough and, you know, the fact he was actually politically active and, and seeking that opportunity. I mean, he was throughout. a major figure he, in the in the First, first of all, exactly. You and know. and an op- you know, political opportunist and so on and so forth. But, but that idea that somebody not only, you know, so you've got the people who go out and seek greatness, the, ach- the achievers, but then you get these people who reluctantly take on the mantle of greatness because of you know the the circumstances around them that you know that's even more sort of uh, um great i suppose mm, yeah, so yeah. I, I i you know as always shakespeare has you know distilled a lot of complex <laughs> yeah. things down into you know a couple of lines yeah um, yeah quite um look by the way, as an aside about Churchill, I think we've, done, it's we've got Carlyle, Nietzsche, and Shakespeare into this already. Podcast. It's not yeah. bad. Yeah, we yeah. talk about great men. Yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things I like about Churchill, I think it was his autobiography, which he wrote about eighteen ninety-eight or something like that. <laughs> and all, actually, no, it's maybe slightly after that. Um, but he'd already done so many amazing, well, been, remarkable he was a things. Photographer, wasn't he in the Boer well, War? Well, he was a journalist. Was a yeah, journalist, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. And um, yeah, incredible. One thing, by, by the way. God, I'm babbling again. <laughs> babbling again. Um, You'll never achieve greatness this way. <laughs> no, I shan't. I won't. Uh, where are we going with this? Um, I, I, mean, I, think we, I think we've not made them. I don't think we've delved in enough into this thing about circumstances mm-hmm. and yeah. greatness. Um, Jordan. Well, yeah, the only the thing I had to, to do with circumstances was more about... Um, so there's this idea of like the lone genius myth. And I think you can kind of transpose this to the like the lone greatness sort of myth Hmm. where this this idea that maybe great people also require great people around them to do these magnificent things and maybe the idea of just focusing on one individual instead of looking at the team behind them or the collaborative environment they're in or the sort of cumulative effect of all their Hmm. achievements that then lead to greatness that's a better way of sort of looking at greatness rather than focusing on just one person i mean i agree but it would never catch on in a way because it's so much more attractive and simple as a narrative to sort of put it on one person uh chris yeah well i was just going to say i mean i think i think that this idea that um you know greatness is um is subjective you know that when, when jordan was sort of talking about you know you've got the the individual and their behavior and you've got the environment around them and that that we ascribe value to, to to greatness and i think if you look at you know if you look at figures like someone like cecil rhodes right mm. who historically was you know he he was became prime minister in his in his 30s uh you know he founded this massive business empire and you know had this kind of um basically took over africa basically took over africa you know um through you know undoubtedly through some form of force of personality but but you know clearly his actions are you know today are viewed very differently from the way he was viewed say towards the end of the victorian era or the edwardian era you know when people were looking back on him you know as recent history um, and similarly, you know, someone like Nelson Mandela was at time, you know, fa- founded effectively an armed, you know, armed group that, that con- yeah. you know, went on to conduct 
terrorist attacks against civilians. And yeah. yet, you know, you look at the, the, you know, two figures pivotal in African history and the way they're perceptions have shifted over over time you're saying that at some point we will come to regard nelson mandela in the same bracket as say stalin or hitler well no no what what i'm what i'm saying is that um that you know well we might i suppose we we that we might exactly that that um greatness is not some objective feature it has a moral dimension to it which i guess is what i'm coming back to with the, the, the the nature aspect which is you know nobody says uh you know Hitler was great or Stalin was great well you, know. you could have to I think you'd have to acknowledge that they were at least at the very Extremely least influential, influential. Yeah. and you know created we don't know. want more of them thanks no but, you know exactly but the you know so so there is you know greatness is not just about influence and power and impact on the world there is also an element where you subscribe you know uh, a morality to it and that changes over time so you know figures we regard as being great today may not be the figures we regard as being great uh in the future i I think there is a a a kind of uh, this whole question is dogged by the problem that really we're talking about counterfactuals we're talking about you what would happen if this person didn't exist yeah and of course that's a nightmare if you're trying to study anything because there's no data on the alternative world and so you sort of think, well, you know, are, is how much can, how much would things have been the same without this person? How much would you know if we did hadn't had a, a you know Napoleon? Well, was there another Napoleon just waiting behind him who would have filled the same sort of role? Or you know, is he really a one-off and has you know we really wouldn't have seen another Napoleon for a thousand years? We just have no way of knowing. I mean, it's mm. literally there, there are a few little nuggets of evidence that we can bring in though, which are. For example, this issue of um, multiple discovery, for instance. So this is the the fact that actually in many cases the same invention is oh, I see is what you mean. Created yeah, 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 yeah. Like Darwin, you know, Darwin yeah. and and um, and uh, and Wallace, yeah, who both who both kind of came up with the same idea. Of course, calculus is a very famous example, invented almost in the same year um, by Newton and Leibniz. Um, oxygen was discovered by three people: Sheila, uh, Priestley, and Lavoisier. Um, the blast furnace was dis- was invented in, in, in almost all over the world, but in Africa, China, and and in Europe, um, the crossbow was invented in lots of different places. There was no, it wasn't transmitted; it was in- simultaneously invented. Mm-hmm. Um, and magnetism, similar, going back to the ancient world, you know. Uh, so, you know, you sort of think, well, maybe it is the case actually that we we do we pin a tag on these people who appear who are perhaps you know a centimeter higher than their contemporaries but remove them and you have another person almost as great who, w- who we would have pinned that tag on instead and i don't think we have a way of uh of of, of you know getting around that i don't think we can ever really know which which kind of means you just have to go with what you've got right and the fact that they well, actually we can did be aware do of things. it we can be aware of it you know we can say well you know churchill is the guy who actually happened to be in that position yeah um, and there were other people around who and there could were other have been who could have, yeah he, exactly as long as we're aware of that so we're not sort of saying we're not necessarily jumping to the conclusion that the guy who was there you know who gets that who gets you know your number one it doesn't mean that number two was a long way away just I just wanted to I mean we need to sort of finish soonish but just talking about that makes me think of something. I've got a mate who just somehow there is something about this guy he just 
somehow always seems to be in the right place at the right time, right? But more than I'm not talking about you, by the way. Nick. Oh, okay. um, he was looking like, hopeful there. Spare my blushes, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and he just seems to. I have been in the same situation as him a number of times, and yet he's the one that he's yeah. got a force of personality, right? I remember once just seeing him um, get backstage at a concert. And he didn't even speak the same language as the bouncer. That young man's name, Boris Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Well, exactly. It is that that phenomenon that you're talking about. Yeah. And also, I mean, and um, I remember once he wrote a book. He was really, he was a, he is and was a journalist. And he was Johnson. And well, actually, there is an overlap (laughs) here. There is an overlap here because they went to the same school. They went to the same school, and there's a lot in that. I think you know that kind of person sometimes. But anyway, he he was sort of in the Second World Gulf War. He was meant to be stay embedded. Remember, they embedded people yeah. with that one. He was meant to be embedded with this unit that was going to be quite far back, but managed to sort of half by accident, but half by purpose, got himself embedded with the frontline unit. Cool. And off the back of that, wrote a, a, a really great book. And but and this happens again and again in his mm. life. Now, I'm not saying he's a, a great person, but I think he's somewhere within that those these kind of people somehow. It's that it is that kind of potent mixture of um, the kind of person and the and the circumstances. I think there is something in this greatness thing. Um, yeah. Anyway, where do we want to go? We need to wrap up soonish, Chris. Yeah, I was just going to say I'm quite interested in in systems that try and um, objectively assess greatness. And so, um, if you look at like the canonization process within mm. the, the Catholic church mm. you know they have a process whereby albeit that you know greatness has a, a, a particular you know sainthood has a particular set of um uh criteria, criteria around yeah. it but but nevertheless you know they have this process where you you sort of you go through you know local investigation it has to be five years you know after the person's died so there's an element of of objectivity about it although that was famously waived for for mother teresa mm. um and then you have you know um uh, sort of the the requirements to establish posthumous uh, miracles and, yeah. and, and so on but famously um the phrase you may know this as a a, a theologist uh, um mm. uh, fraser but the the um term devil's advocate is mm. actually part of the canonization process whereby you know they would appoint a, a you know a legal scholar to um basically a character assassinate the person who yeah. was you know in line for uh for for sainthood and i i think that that sort of you know that idea of you know the the uk honors system as well is another kind mm. of system where you try and you know separate out things and and um you know inevitably it becomes a subjective process you know there are there are no hard and fast criteria for establishing um uh, greatness you know and all you can do is is really have some sort of form of soliciting public public opinion you know seeing what stands the test of time but in the case and of sir clive sinclair they got it right they got it right they yes it right. yes 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 yeah. his honor was well deserved unlike uh, perhaps philip green for example who <laughs> where, where but that's the thing you know this idea of you know as history moves and events change can greatness be revoked in some way? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, right. Uh, we, well, I want to stop there. Anything anyone wants to add before I do? No. I've got a no. question. Well, I was about to say, I've got a question. I don't have a question. All right. But I want to ask a question. I just don't know what the question is. Um, um, what about I, uh, great the, people? Why do you who ask us to pick the greatest, great. our greatest? Okay. Characters. I mean, that's what I, I mean, that's the yeah. obvious thing, right? So, all right. So l- let's have the question. Um, 
yeah, who's your personal hero? Who do you think is great? And you're not allowed to say one of us here. You're not allowed to say the other person. Oh. And you're not allowed to say yourself either. Oh. Um, so, yeah, who's your personal hero? Who do you think is great? Anyone? Jordan. I, I think I think Shakespeare's hard to go past for, for me. Um, just some, I guess someone who loves literature as well. Just mm. the amount of his output and his enduring influence yeah. and legacy and just how he how he's keep he's still relevant still read in schools still read all around the world i think it's a pretty amazing and it does feel like every single flipping line is like a nugget <laughs> yeah. of wisdom yeah it's like yeah. you know has, has anything ever been phenomenal. could you think of anything and say anything that hasn't already been said by shakespeare yeah, exactly. and, and by the way and said in a much more eloquent fashion <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. um yeah, yeah good true. shout out uh chris yeah well i th- i i think um I think looking at people who carry the epithet, the great, is is is, is not a bad <laughs> a way. Of, it's a good start. And and for me, the two that really stand out, um, partly because my own sort of interest. So Alfred the Great, you know, arguably the the founder of the notion of the English state and yeah. Englishness. You did know, burn and, the cakes though. <clears throat> did burn the cakes exactly. Yeah. Um, but you know, his sort of endurance at, at maintaining that 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 kernel of Englishness. You know, in the in the the face of sort of Viking onslaught. Um, so I think he he's great. And then Alexander the Great, you know, in terms of, you know, you want to talk about f- force of personality, some <laughs> random guy from, you know, some backwater of, of, uh, of the sort of, you know, Greek yeah. uh, um, kind of people and just literally, you know, on personal kind of animal magnetism, you know, forging this huge land empire um i i just think is uh you know sort of incredible you know whether it's whether it's a worthwhile achievement and, and it didn't last for that that long but just simply for for you know sheer kind of um gumption he's uh, yeah. he's he's right up there for me yeah nice uh nick uh, sorry yes i just looking up the uh that quote by um sid waddell who said when alexander of macedonia was 33 he cried salt tears because there were no more worlds to conquer mm. Eric Bristow is only 27. <laughs> there you go. crafty Two copy. great men in the same. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I would... Uh, see, I, for years, my answer has always been um, uh, Garibaldi. Oh, He's yeah. a fabulous, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, figure who, um, you know, really... A, it does feel like it wouldn't have happened. You know, the unification of Italy would have, mm. would have, wouldn't have happened without you mm. know, someone like that. He just had this vision, you know... Italy could be united again and and a preposterous idea that you could wrest Italy from the hands of the imperial powers who were currently yeah. owning it and yet with you just know, a neckerchief exactly and a biscuit just, and a red shirt <laughs> and, a, and a tasty biscuit yeah. which was unleavened of course because yeah. he was always on the move uh, and just with this wonderful story of you know having to abandon his wife died and he had to abandon her because you know he, he was on the run from uh, the Austrians or something it's just uh, absolutely you know a, a textbook example of how to um, you know, realize your vision and and to go for it. You know, not to be not to be put off by the fact that it seems impossible. Um, mm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of something more original, imaginative, but I can't. Um, I'm I'm torn between um, these. This greatness is probably when you look at someone like Alexander the Great. It, this is probably on a slightly smaller scale, really. But um, Nelson, you know, uh, and even the Duke of Nelson Wellington. Mandela. Or, no, no, oh, um, okay. yeah, no, uh, Horatio, Horatio Nelson, Nelson. Yeah. right? And I think it's probably tied in with 
you know i do quite like sort of 19th century history and, and battles and that kind of thing um or and i just and apparently with nelson had a certain sort of magnetism about him and mm. you know quite a slight man i've seen his uniform with the hole in it i think at, at the greenwich maritime museum and just this very slight Got quiet man sizzler with the ladies of course yes yeah. exactly yeah and and I, I think it also is all t- tied in with that sort of, especially if we're talking Nelson with that sort of you know the power and you know and if you the go age to of North being... Creek when he was born up in uh, Norfolk, lovely little village. Right? Um, no, I've not very, been there. Yeah, you know, a, a couple of mentions of Nelson, but it's not like it's here's yeah. Nelson's birthplace. It's, it's a really I, I he think, has got a whole square to to be fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think also True. what I like about it is is that I think that sort of personality is sort of quite a quiet person. Um, on the and I I kind of like that sort of un- yeah. unassuming side of it, but you know charging off to beat the French, um, yes there we go. Um, well look let's stop there. As always, thanks for listening. If you've got any thoughts or suggestions for topics, you can email us at podcast at We'd love to hear from you. Um, if you've enjoyed the podcast, Nick, um, what should you what should you do? Well, help us on our path to greatness by liking and subscribing. Yeah, no, please do. <laughs> Although if we were really great, we would just kind of somehow make that happen without asking. Yeah. Did Alexander ask me, you know, I think, yeah. Well, if his dad hadn't been Philip of Macedon, is that correct? Yes. Uh, he probably wouldn't have made it. Fair so, enough, you got a helping hand yeah. there. All right, well, thanks as always for listening. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Nick Hare, Chris Ragg, and Jordan Fermanis of Aleph Insights. Until next time, goodbye. Mm-hmm.